Ephesians, and we're going to go to chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to begin uh, with uh, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord... I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness and longsuffering, forbearing one another in love. So God has given us, really, uh, the attitude with which we are to relate to one another. He says, with lowliness, with meekness, longsuffering, forbearing one another in in love, or bearing with each other in love, longsuffering, meekness. And lowly. So, sounds like pride in this verse would be eliminated. So, in this verse, he's given us an attitude with which we are to communicate. We are to uh, relate with one another in the body of Christ. And then in verse 4, he says, There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. There is one body. Now, notice in these few verses, and we actually looked at this last week for those of you that were uh, listening and watching and are here. Uh, I'm just uh, connecting with where we were, and we're just going to keep uh, running uh, this course. And so, uh, again, he said there's one body. There's one spirit. So, one body of Jesus, and that body, as we have uh, pointed out uh, in previous lessons, has to do with Many different races, many different cultures, we're all one body. Internationally, we are one body. Uh, And here in this local church, we are all one body made up of different cultures, different races. Uh, We are one body in Christ. So he said one body, one spirit. We are born of the Spirit of God, born of God, and so the Holy Spirit is the one that's recreated us and made us new creations and uh, children of God. We're born of God. Whatever, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. So uh, you can uh, look at history and you'll find uh, that uh, the world can get in the church. In other words, the attitude of the world can get in the church. But that is by choice. In other words, you have to choose to not let the world's spirit and the world's mind get in the church and get in your mind. You have to eliminate the world's thinking. And the only way you're going to eliminate the world's thinking is you have to get God's thinking in your mind. It is a mind renewal process. Uh, It would be wonderful if we could just all get baptized and uh, go under once and come up totally renewed in our mind. But that's not the way it works. Uh, You uh, are... Going to have to, by a process of elimination and eradication, you have to have things eradicated out of your mind, your thinking altered, your mind renewed to the Word of God. And uh, when I say the Word of God, I said the Word of God. I didn't mean the Word of a man. I didn't mean someone's opinion. I didn't mean your opinion, my opinion, or anyone else's opinion. Uh, I mean simply the raw Word of God. And so the Word of God has the power, and it's the only thing that has the power to renew your mind and make your mind think in light of God. And so the power of God, the, the Word of God gets in your heart and has the power to renew your mind. The Scripture says, receive with meekness. So 
Uh, you can't even receive the word effectively without a meek spirit. In other words, humble attitude. So in humility, other translations say, that's in James. He says, with humility or meekness, receive the engrafted word, which has the power to save your soul. So the word of God has the power to save your soul. Now, if uh, the word is the thing that's going to save my soul, it, and that's not talking about your spirit being saved. You're already born again. He was talking to believers in that passage uh, very, very clearly in James chapter 1. He's talking to believers. Because he says brethren three times in that passage. And so uh, he's talking to believers and he says receive with meekness the engrafted word which has the power, ability to save your soul. So this word of God has the power to save your soul. So uh, it's, it's kind of like uh, uh, your, your soul has been influenced by the traditions of men. Your soul has been influenced by your uh, environment. Wherever you have been in life, your soul has been influenced. Your thinking has been influenced. So, all right, now we as Christians are going to have to say, okay, God, I'm going to say what you say, and I'm going to believe what you believe, and I'm going to do what you want me to do, and the only way I'm going to do that is I'm going to see what you say. So then the way God sees the body of Christ or the church is that we are one body. One spirit has given you access into the kingdom of God. By access, I mean you have actually literally been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of God's dear son. You are in a new kingdom. You have a new life. You are a new person, and you are one with Jesus. Well, then, if we are that in the spirit, then we have to notify our head. Uh, so our thinking has to be altered to see ourselves the way God sees us and uh, see others the way God sees them. God sees us all the same in Christ. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We have looked at in previous lessons. And, uh, and so we are the workmanship of God. We're created in Christ Jesus. Uh, we're children of God. We're born of God. And we're born of the Holy Spirit. All right, so then he says, one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. So we have one hope of our calling. We're being called out of darkness. We've been called into his marvelous light. Let's go to verse uh, 5. One Lord, one Lord being Jesus Christ, one Lord, Jesus is Lord, the great confession of every uh, believer. No one is saved unless they make that great confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's only one Lord. Jesus is Lord. And if Jesus is Lord, uh, then we have to uh, then say, Lord, I'm going to submit to your Lordship. Well, the only way you're going to know for sure uh, in your own life that you're really truly submitted to his Lordship is that you are submitted to his word. Because if we're not submitted to his word, then we're not submitted to Jesus. All right, so if we're not submitted to the Word of God, we're not submitted to God. But if we're submitted to the Word of God, then we are submitting to God and we're submitting to Jesus. And so in this verse, he says that there's one Lord, so Jesus Christ is Lord. He says one faith. So then we have one faith in Jesus and one faith in the blood of Jesus. And there's no other uh, way that our sins are going to be remitted. You're not going to be able to uh, fix yourself. You're not going to be able to uh, somehow appease God by your good efforts. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. Nobody can uh, actually become saved by good works. People have been trying it. Whole religions have been built on it. And uh, for generations and generations, people just create a new religion, 
and give you all the do's and don'ts, and then uh, you're going to somehow be accepted by God, whatever God that they uh, have deemed to be God. Well, then, God is the one and true and living God, and the only way you can be saved is through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. So your, your efforts and your good works are not going to save you. It's not going to save anyone, never has, never will. All right, so if we're going to believe the Bible, then our good works, we know, is not what saves us. It is salvation that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And how we are born again is through faith. All right, well, then, of course, good works are part of Christianity. So good works come out of that. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So your works don't save you. Good works come out of your salvation. So salvation is a transformation of your spirit. It's a change of your inward heart, and your spirit man is born again. So what's on the inside needs to come to the outside. And the only way what's on the inside is going to come to the outside is through that process of mind renewal. So thinking like God thinks about yourself, thinking like God thinks about others, thinking like God thinks about his body that he has purchased by the blood of Jesus. So let's go again. He said there is one faith. So notice one is over and over again. One faith and one baptism. A lot of different ideas about baptism. I talked about that a little bit last week. But uh, one baptism into the body of Christ. A lot of people have different formulas that they deem as scriptural, uh, but there's one baptism into Christ. All right, let's go to verse 6. One God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. One God and Father of all. So notice again, one God, one Father. So then he says, one God and Father of all. So everybody in the body of Christ, it doesn't matter, skin color doesn't matter, your race doesn't matter, your culture doesn't matter, if you're rich or poor, doesn't matter what part of the uh, uh, city you were born in or what part of the city you lived in. I mean, I'm thankful God didn't see me as a kid who lived on a little farm and we didn't own it. Sharecroppers. And think, well, he's not worthy. No. He saw me, and he said, I got a plan for his life. He saw you. Doesn't matter where you were born. Doesn't matter what anybody's opinion was. Doesn't matter who your parents were. God said, I got a plan for their life. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained. So God created us, each of us, with a divine destiny. All right, so God values every human being. He values every person, no matter uh, what their race or what their culture or what their background is and who their family was, who their mother and father was, how rich or how poor they are. And uh, so God loves us all the same. All right, so let's go uh, to uh, the, this verse one more time. He says, a God and Father of all. So God is my father. He's your father. Doesn't matter. Uh, You know, he has uh, black and brown kids. He has white kids. He has, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, races and cultures, you know. Uh, And we believe that every person that's born again, and you say, this is pretty basic. It's pretty basic, but obviously a lot of people don't get it. So it's pretty basic Christian faith. It's pretty basic Bible instruction. But there's a lot of people that don't get this. 
And obviously so, because people haven't seen people in the right light. They haven't seen people in the way God sees them. And so God sees every person that is born again as his child, born of the Spirit of God. So if we see people the way God sees them, then that will erase prejudice. If we see people the way God sees them, we will see them as our brother and our sister and see them created in the image of God, created in the likeness of God, and created in God's own, as God's own handiwork. God created each of us in his image. All right, so God is our father. So God is my father, he's your father, and God takes people into his presence simply by faith in Jesus. Simply by faith, not of works, so anybody can access Nobody has to, gets to pay their way in. Nobody gets to uh, do some, uh, you know, rubbing shoulders with somebody and, you know, getting to know somebody. If I get to know somebody, then I get access. You know, there's a lot of stuff in the world that goes on that people find their access points in a lot of different ways. But I'll tell you, there's one access to the Father, and there's no limit to what God can do in anyone and through anyone because he said he's the God and Father of all. Now, he didn't say that was the end of it. He said God and Father of all and through all. So in other words, God works through all of us. He works through any of us. And so he said through all, and then he says, and in you all. So he is in us individually, and the scriptures teach both. He is in us individually, and he is in us corporately. So I won't take the time to go to scriptures, but uh, basically the scriptures are very clear that God has put his life in us individually, and he's put his life in us corporately as a body. So that's why we need to see beyond ourselves. Now, as a pastor uh, for 37 years, I've taught on the subject of who the believer is in Christ. So we've laid a good foundation in this church, and I believe that if people have been listening for any length of time, that they have some of that foundation in their heart and in their life. That is a solid foundation for your faith in Jesus, to understand who you are in Christ. But in that, we've also emphasized that we are the body of Christ and that we are one in Christ Jesus. So now then, we are not just seeing ourselves in Christ because we are to see others in Christ as well. So when we see ourselves in Christ, then it is a reflection of Jesus in us that's going to come out of us. It's what Jesus is in us that's going to be expressed through us. So he said, in you all and through you all. So God wants to flow through us. Well, if he's going to flow through us, then you got to get the crud out. In other words, if he's going to flow through you, many years ago, uh, we were visiting my wife's parents and, uh, in Minnesota, and they have a, a cabin on a lake up there, a little small lake. And so they live on the outlet. In other words, there's an outlet for the lake that goes down to the river and so forth. And so uh, there's a culvert that uh, is a little ways down from uh, their home. So the outlet, it's, it's actually on their property. The water goes out of the lake, and it goes down this little creek, and it's a very small creek. But then it goes through a culvert that goes under a road. And in that culvert, every day... That summer, every day, her dad, he's very outdoors kind of guy, always doing stuff, 
And so he, every day he would go down there and clean stuff out of that culvert because the beavers would start to dam it up. Well, then we rode on the four-wheelers and went further down uh, where the river was, and we saw that those beavers had not only were filling up that culvert, but beavers had cut trees down, and uh, they had done all kinds of work down there. And they had built their houses down there and were damming up the river. And so uh, here in many cases in Christianity, uh, you know, sometimes it's just the culvert that's been stopped up. So every day he would, he would, uh, he would uh, go down there and clean that out, and I would go down there and help him out uh, while I was there. And so uh, it was a maintenance program. In Christianity, you got to have a maintenance program. Uh, it's a mental maintenance program. In other words, you got to clean out your head because this world can feed you. And this world can influence your mind, and it can get in your mind different things in this world. It's really not anything to do with Jesus, anything to do with God. It's everything to do with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so it can feed your mind, and you start picking up those ideas and those thoughts that you thought you might have got rid of, and now it comes back, and it's dominating your life. So you got to every day do a cleanup job. In other words, don't let stuff from this world dominate your thinking. See yourself the way God sees, sees you and see others the way God sees them. All right, so if you do the maintenance program every day, then the beavers aren't going to stop the flow of the river of life that flows out of your spirit. Well, then, of course, if you let them build a dam in your, uh, you know, in your culvert, then they'll build, they'll cut trees and everything else and eventually stop the whole river. Well, then we want to have a flow of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to flow out of your innermost being, but it always flows. It really does. The Holy Spirit and truth and light flows through your mind. So your mind is like a filter. It is a filter of what comes in, and it's a filter of what is able to flow out. I'm going to say it again. It is a filter of what comes in, but it's also a filter of what goes out. If you filter things and you keep things out of your mind that don't belong there, then you're going to be able to have a clean filter, so to speak. In other words, if you have all this debris in your soul, in your mind, then what Jesus wants to do in showing the light and love of God through you and flowing through us all, he said, and now if Jesus is trying to flow through you, and the river of God's trying to flow through you, and that, that filter's all dammed up, then you're going to get a lot of mud. You're going to get a lot of sticks and debris, a lot of stuff that really doesn't uh, reflect Jesus at all. It doesn't look like Jesus, doesn't talk like Jesus, doesn't act like Jesus, doesn't act like God, doesn't look like God. It's not a reflection of God in any way. Why? Because it is uh, your filter's clogged up. So as a Christian, you have to keep your filter unclogged. I wish we could just have a mind renewal class, and then after that class, then we'd all have a renewed mind. But it is a process of getting your mind renewed, but it's also a process of keeping it renewed. In other words, your hair doesn't stay combed. Your teeth don't stay clean. Your body doesn't stay clean. Why? Because you have to wash your body. You have to brush your teeth. You have to cleanse yourself physically because of toxins and so forth. You have to cleanse yourself 
continuously, right? And the same is true about your mind. You have to cleanse your mind, clean up your mind on a continual basis. You have to wash your mind. Wash it with the Word of God. Wash your soul. Keep your soul pure. And if you do that on a regular basis by meditating on the Word and seeing yourself the way God sees you and seeing others the way God sees them, then what you're going to get is the result of God flowing through you freely. Amen? And so the love of God will flow through you because it's in you. What's in you can go through you and it can flow out to others. Now, in this verse, he said, God is the Father of all, above all, and in through all, and in you all. Now, we'll go back to chapter 3. In chapter 3 of Ephesians 4, and remember, when we study the epistles, we are actually studying scriptures that were written specifically to the church. Now, we can study all the scriptures of the Bible and glean things from them. Uh, But the scriptures that are the highest revelation to uh, us are the epistles, the letters that are written to the church. They're the highest revelation because this is after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, P.C. Nelson said, you need the flashlight of the epistles to shine back on the gospels and uh, shine back on the Old Testament, the scriptures. You have to have the flashlight of the uh, epistles to be able to understand clearly Uh, the whole of Scripture, the whole of the Bible. So then, uh, we looking at this in verse uh, 14, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, it says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So this is Paul's prayer uh, here in chapter 3, one of the prayers of the Apostle Paul. He said, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God is Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's the Father of Jesus. But he says, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So those who are in heaven, those on earth, everybody that has put their faith in Jesus Christ. Everybody that has put their faith in Jesus Christ. There's none in heaven that didn't put their faith in Jesus. Even those Old Testament saints were in Abraham's bosom. Until they put their faith in Jesus Christ, they did not ascend uh, with Jesus to uh, heaven. All right, so everybody in heaven, they put their faith in Jesus Christ. There was a remembrance of one who thought he could usurp authority of God, and um, he got kicked out of heaven, and a third of the angels got kicked out with him. His name was Lucifer, or the devil. So uh, everybody in heaven has faith in Jesus Christ. Well, he said, of the whole family in heaven, your your, uh, uncles, your aunts, or your uh, grandparents, or even perhaps your parents, there may be people that uh, you are loved and or your loved ones and your family, they've gone on to heaven. And my mother's up there. My father's up there. Uh, spiritual fathers are up there. Spiritual mothers are up there. People are in heaven, and they are there, and we are here. But there's a family in heaven, and there's a family in the earth, and it's the one, same fa- one in the same family. So God's the father of us all, anybody. Well, when you get to heaven, uh, you're going to see that there are a lot, of, a lot of different people up there. There are people from all different na- nationalities, and there's people from all uh, different cultures and backgrounds. And uh, that's the way heaven is going to be. Uh, so to divide us here in the earth 
is, uh, is really ha- has been and will always be Satan's activity. So Satan is the divider and God is the uniter. In order uh, for us, the church, the body of Christ, to be maintain unity, then we have to see everyone as people of God, children of God, bought with a price, purchased by the blood of Jesus, and they are as valuable to the Father as I am, and I am valuable to the Father as they are. Right? We are all valuable. But maintain a humble attitude in our relationship with God and with one another. Now let's uh, consider uh, what I just said. All right, there's a family in heaven, there's a family in the earth, and so we're going to look at heaven just for a minute in uh, the book of Revelation. So go with me to Revelation chapter 7, please. Revelation uh, chapter 7. This is a description of something that we're going to see in heaven. So, uh, Revelation gives you a lot of heaven scriptures. It also talks about tribulation and so forth. Uh, but, the, uh, but the book of Revelation gives us some insight of what heaven is going to be like. So, in uh, chapter 7, in verse 9, it says, After I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number. Now, this is in heaven. And he says, there is a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb. It says, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. So, you know, they must have palms up there. All right, so, uh, so maybe, you know, if you catch one when you're going up, take one with you. I don't know. All right, so in this verse, what kind of heaven are we going to go to? He says, it's a place where there's a great multitude. No one can number the people. It says, of all nations, kindreds, and people, and tongues. So there are going to be people of all nations, all nationalities, all, all tongues. Different uh, races are going to be there. Different cultures are going to be there. All kinds of people are going to be in heaven. So when you get to heaven... All uh, prejudices, if you didn't drop them down here, they're going to have to be dropped on the way up, I can assure you. Uh, You're not going to get to say anything contrary to what Jesus said. The people that said contrary to what Jesus said uh, in heaven before, like uh, Lucifer and the angels, you got kicked out. You can't take that stuff up there. So (laughs) the best thing you can do is get rid of it now uh, and enjoy life here. And so God wants us... To see each other the way he sees us. All as God's children. All one body. One spirit has brought us into access into the presence of God. Through one spirit we access the family of God and the covenant of God. Through the blood of Jesus. And he says again. Of all nations, kindreds, people, and tongues. Stood before the throne. Did what? Stood before the throne. They stood in the presence of God. He said, before the Lamb. Man, when you get in the presence of God and before the Lamb of God, uh, you lose some stuff that the flesh would want to take there. In other words, any fleshly stuff 
can drop off and it can be melted in the presence of God. So here they stood before the Lamb. They stood before God, the throne of God. And they were clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. Salvation to our God. There's no salvation outside of God and the Lamb of God. He says, And all the angels stood around about the throne and about the, and the, about the elders and four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worship God. They worship God. Saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Think about getting in the presence of God. Now, we've all, uh, at least most of us, have experienced uh, being in the church when the church is filled with people, and we're worshiping God, and we get beyond ourselves. In other words, we get in the Spirit as a congregation. And when you get really in the Spirit as a congregation, I'll tell you, you don't care who's standing beside you. You don't care who's in front of you, who's behind you. You don't care what color they are. You don't care what race they are. You don't care what culture they are. You don't care what, uh, what, uh, uh, if they are rich or they're poor. You, you really, uh, you, you're really not even thinking in those terms at all. You're thinking, God, I so love you. I so love Jesus. I remember as a teenager, one of the amazing times in my life when, when I was really uh, pressing into God and the Holy Spirit was working in my life, uh, the, the, one of the primary things that just was emphasized in my heart and my own personal experience was the love of God. It was just like, I, it so engulfed me that I was starting to think that I just love everybody. It was just so real, so it was like thick in my soul, in my life. I just love people. This love of God that I was experiencing was just beyond my mind. In this prayer, it said, uh, in the prayer of the Apostle Paul, uh, that you would know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge. So I remember that so clearly, that the love of God. Well, it was so dominating my soul. That I just loved everybody. I couldn't understand when anyone was divisive in any way. Because it wasn't uh, uh, probably a couple of years later in that church, they had some, some division, some stuff that uh, I, I won't get into all that. But I'm just saying, I just like, this was so foreign to me. So foreign to me. Because I just had experienced God in such depth and such understanding of the love of God that what are you? I, it's just like, I don't even think in your terms. I'm not even thinking like you're thinking. Why? Because love was overmastering me. Love was, was, was flowing out of my heart, and it was flowing in my soul, in my mind, in my thinking. And so it was foreign to me to be divisive. And so as a Christian, the more you get in the presence of God, and the more you get before the throne of God, and the more you get before the Lamb of God, and the more you experience God and His love, the less you think divisive. 
The less you think that someone is less than you, the less you would think that someone is necessarily more than you in the sense of uh, they, they are better than you. Now, and you don't diminish the power of the blood of Jesus in your life, nor do you diminish the power of the blood of Jesus in someone else's life. You just love people. And the love of God is flowing through you. So it melts down racism or anything that is contrary to the love of God. It just eliminates it out of your soul. And so you see people the way God sees them. The way God sees them is described, as we have seen in Scripture, as his children. They're born of one spirit. They're bought with a price. They're children of God. God is the father of us all. God is our very own father. He loves us, and he loves us so much. His, his goal is to get us to heaven. So he'd like for us to enjoy the trip. So in the book of Deuteronomy... It says, and I'll just give you a reference without taking the time to turn there. In Deuteronomy 11:21, the last part of the verse, it says that, as, that you would have days of heaven on earth. You would have days of heaven on earth. In other words, I just somewhat described that in two ways. I described it because in my life as a teenager, I began to experience God in such degree uh, that the love of God so overmastered me that I didn't even uh, relate in the terms of division and divisive attitudes. Well, in that time and season, I also recognized that was what my mother had all the time, that she had the love of God in her, and it was at my house. I just never had experienced it myself like that. So now I'm experiencing God's love. In that way. And so then I just gave you another uh, picture or description of how we are all together. We're in the same room. We're worshiping God and we get in the spirit. When you get past your flesh, you get past your natural mind, you are not thinking. Sometimes I've been in the spirit in a service and it's, and it's hours where it seems like, you know, only 10 or 15 or 20 minutes has passed. Why? Because you got out of the natural. You don't even, you're not looking at the clock. You're not looking at anything in the natural. You're looking to Jesus. You're looking unto God. And you're looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. You get so past your natural mind, natural flesh, you get in the spirit. When you get in the spirit, you're in the presence of God. When you get in the spirit, you're before the throne of God and before the Lamb of God. And you, again, you don't really care if someone is a different color, a different race, or uh, they're rich or they're poor, and, and, you know, I I got to meet them after service. You're not thinking of any of that stuff. And so God wants us to get so conscious of the throne of God and of the Lamb of God and of the love of God and who God is to us and who God is to them that God loves us all as his children. Amen? And so... All the different races are going to be together in heaven. We're all going to be before the throne of God. There's not going to be one section for the white people, one section for the uh, black people or brown people, or uh, one section for the Asians. No, there's going to be one section, period, because there's one God and one Father, and He's the Father of us all. We're all the children of God, and we're all going to be before the throne of God and of the Lamb of God, and we're going to worship God, and we're going to fall down before God 
the throne of God, and we're going to worship God from our heart, with our soul, with our mind, and with everything that is in us, and we're going to love God beyond what we have even conceived fully down here on the earth. We just get to taste of some of heaven on the earth. There's, there's a heavenly substance that you get to enjoy, you get to partake of right here in this earth that is so real, it just it just causes all other stuff that is contrary to the love of Jesus and the love of God, it causes it to melt like a butter on a Las Vegas street at 110 degrees. It melts and it melts fast. I'm telling you, the glory of God can melt some stuff out of people's souls. It is a power that will deliver you from anything that divides, anything that is contrary to love and life. Glory to God. It will bring peace in your heart, peace that passes all understanding. It will guard your heart and your mind, and you're not so easily, easily persuaded by the world to divide from the body of Jesus Christ. No, you're so in love with Jesus that you want to unify, and you want to help, and you want to heal, and you want to bring joy, and you want to bring peace to somebody else's life. You want to be a vessel of God. You want to see God flow through you to bring help and hope and healing to other people as well because you've experienced it yourself. And you know how real it is and how precious it is. How real it is and how precious it is to literally get in God's presence when there's nobody around. You're not trying to impress anyone with your praise, your song, your voice, or anything. You just love Jesus and you want to be in his presence. You love Jesus and you want to be with him. And when you love Jesus that way, when you bring that to church, it brings the presence of God in the room. And everybody loving Jesus and coming together and loving Jesus and getting before the throne of God, that's why these church doors need to be open and are going to be open very soon. Praise God. Why? Because God wants the body of Christ to gather in one place, in one accord. It is scripture all over the Bible. When they got together in one place and they came in unity, there was something that happened. The power of heaven hit the earth and the glory of God. was revealed in the house of God and when you have that glory it can melt down some stuff the world wants to clog up your pipes with want to build a dam in your soul with there's a power that is greater than anything in this world there is a spirit the spirit of God that has the power to resolve issues in your life it has the power to dissolve any division in your life it has the power to save your soul It has the power to make you whole. But God not only sees us and wants us individually to be whole, but he sees us as a body, and he wants us as a body to be whole and healed and sound and strong and feel with God that the the God of heaven would feel us and that we would live like there were days of heaven on earth. It's like God just 
cuts a slice of heaven and ships it down to Word of Life at 3520 Buffalo Drive. Hallelujah. 89129. I got a package of heaven for you. I got the glory of heaven for you. I've got the presence of God for you. I've got something that is superseding anything that is in this world. It's a love of God that passes all knowledge. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. But it's not just Christ in you. It's Christ in in us, the church, that he would dwell in us. He would settle down in us and he would abide in us by faith and he would so dwell in the body of Jesus Christ that there was a definition of God in the earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That Jesus would literally be seen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, John chapter 17. I got to i got to read this to you. In John chapter 17. Hallelujah. And verse 20. John 17 verse 20. Says neither pray I for these alone. Jesus is praying here. It's a prayer to the Father. But for them also which shall believe on me through their word. And they, that they all may be one. Jesus prayed this prayer. I believe God answered his prayer. I believe this can be true in our lives. And we will experience what Jesus have experienced and will experience what Jesus just prayed. He said that they may be one. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. So this is not just a prayer for heaven. That we would be one in the Father and in Jesus. So that the world may believe. That thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them. That they may be one even as we are one. That we may be one even as Jesus and the Father are one. He said, I in them and thou in me. That they may be made perfect in one. That the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. That you have sent me and that you have loved them as you have loved me. Man, that's amazing that God the Father loves you like he loves Jesus. Amazing grace. With all our mess, all our sin, all our past, all our behavior, all our foolishness, all of the stuff we brought to the table, God loved us like he loved Jesus. And he proved that love in sending his son Jesus. So he said, now... This is my prayer. And the only way that's going to happen is through the death, burial, and resurrection. And then us putting faith in Jesus. And then us believing enough. Have our minds renewed. Transformed in our spirit, but then transformed in our lifestyle. So that Jesus can shine through us. That the world would know. 
that the Father God sent Jesus. The way they're going to know is going to be that we do what the theme scripture of this church is. You shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. In other words, we, the body of Christ, shine like lights in this world. We have a great opportunity right now to do that. And I challenge each of us to do just that, to shine like a light in this world. And the way we're going to shine, one way, and one of the primary ways, is that we believe in each other, we love each other, we support each other, we heal each other. In other words, whatever we can do for one another. And God helps us to shine like lights in this world. This world may see that Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah.